I am always weary of those who tell others to embrace their sadness, their anger, their pain. For those people rarely, if ever, follow this advice with solutions for how one can then heal from those things. In an effort to show how unrealistic happiness can be, you would leave someone to wallow in the darkest corners of who they are. You see, life is about balance. And while some may feel happiness or joy are fairy tales, I promise you promoting a life where pain comes first with little signs of hope could stymie one's chance for a brighter day forever. We are best when we are whole. Your sadness and happiness exist together, creating a balance that makes you who you are. Never shun one for the other. Allow yourself to mourn, to be angry, to feel rage. But know this. You get to be happy. You get to laugh. You get to smile. You get to heal. And it's that last part that I want you to remember most, misfits. You get to heal. So be mindful of a broken soul trying to fix you. Navigate yourself as best as you can. Taking your ship against the tides as they come and give thanks for the still waters when they arrive. The goal is to be whole. Message to the minority. And now, misfits, let's get healed. Welcome to the Healing Space, a black and queer mental health podcast geared toward proving there's more than one way to heal. I am your host, Sensei Raven Akundayo. And take two, that's what I'm going to call this, take two. (laughs) (laughs) About two months ago, uh, I attempted to conduct this interview with my dear friend and brother. And it ended up not happening, but everything happens for a reason. So there's a purpose for why we're doing this now. So my co-host this week, once again, like I said, is a dear friend, a brother to me, photographer, filmmaker, and uh, this brother is doing a lot of major things in the city of Baltimore. Mr. Daryl Taylor, welcome to The Healing Space, bro. Thank you, my brother. I am so happy to be here. I'm happy to be doing this for the second time. So tell the truth (laughs) or shame the devil. I messed it up. (laughs) So misfits. Every now and then, even a professional makes a mistake. We attempted to do this one time before, a couple of months ago, and unfortunately, I didn't hit the record button. But it's not that simple. The device that we were recording on requires you to hit the record button button twice, and I hit it once. And I didn't realize until it was all over with that that's what happened. So everything happens for a reason, and we're going to do it bigger and better this time. Uh, (laughs) When he told me, like, I was real chill about it. I was yeah. real chill, but it was like that I was, was embarrassed. A, that was a great conversation, though. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, I was but embarrassed. the good thing about us is that it's nothing for us to have a great conversation. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Which brings us to the topic, which is actually different, and that's why I'm saying everything happens for a reason because the topic is actually different from what we talked about last time. Yeah. So this episode, as you guys were able to see from the title, is Black Men Matter, and Good I know matter. for uh, for some people. That's going to make some eyebrows raised. Some people are going to feel some kind of way, you know. On the flip side, there are going to be some people who are very happy that we're having this conversation. Uh, for those of you 
If you know either of us, you know the work that we put in, especially when it comes to black men. And there have been a lot of events that I've held that have specifically been focused on black men, you know, uh, especially when it comes to the healing space. Before right. I moved from here, as a matter of fact, I'm on location in Baltimore, y'all. I forgot to say in the beginning. <laughs> back home, back home. Uh, but yeah, so when I was living here, there was an event that I put on that actually brought together uh, cis hetero, cis homosexual, and transgendered men right. for an event, for an evening of discussion and getting to kind of uh, break down those walls and get to know each other a little bit better. So, you know, we've been putting in the work, and Daryl's going to be talking about that a little bit later yeah, on as well absolutely. as what he's been doing. Uh, but yeah, so that's the direction that we're coming from. This isn't a situation where we're saying that other people aren't important, that they don't matter, you know? But we personally, especially being black men, understand the importance of making sure that we see one another. You feel right. me, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so right now, instead of doing weekends, because we're actually recording this on a Thursday, I figured that we could get into some of what it is that we have going on right now. Some new things. So uh, I'll go first. That's cool. Sure. Um, so, okay. I no longer live where I was living in Atlanta. I'm still in Atlanta, but I moved like almost an hour away from where I was. So I was living down in an area called Riverdale, and now I'm up in Duluth, mm -hmm. and it feels like two totally different worlds. Now, what are the differences? Okay, well, first, uh, Riverdale is like south, literal south Atlanta. So when everyone's like, are you southwest? Are you southeast? It's like, no, south. Right, we right. are directly under, right. you know? So when I first moved there a year ago, it was a little weird for me. Because all I knew was Northeast, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so, th and that's the only place I lived was the Northeast. So when I moved down to Riverdale, it was, good Lord, like I'm away from everything. Mm -hmm. But over time, especially once I got my job, it was like, well, this is actually kind of convenient. You know, I like being down here, especially when it came to the airport. Got it. Because living where I initially lived, I started out in Chambly. Now, how far are these places outside of Atlanta? Because when we talk about Atlanta for someone who doesn't live there, yeah. you think that everyone lives in Atlanta. But most people live outside, outside of the city. And it might yeah. be 20 minutes. It might be 30 minutes. Yep. So you live more in the suburban area, yes. not like in downtown yeah. like Atlanta. So like, what's the connection? Uh, wow. I guess I would be, well, Riverdale was probably maybe 20 minutes outside of the perimeter. Okay. So yeah. And uh, where I am now in Duluth, I might say it's the same amount. Mm -hmm. It may be. I'm not sure. I know when I was uh, living in Chambly, I believe I was about 15 minutes out okay. of the city. I know when I would get an Uber, it would feel like it took nothing. Okay. But I also, once I really learned my way around, like the Northeast, I know pretty well from living there. The funny thing is, I know more, I knew more living in the Northeast than I did in Riverdale. And I lived in Riverdale longer. Mm. But in the Northeast, I wouldn't even take the highway to get into Midtown and Downtown anymore. I would take the streets. Because okay. for me, it would be faster. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's... Living in Duluth feels a little weird for me only because there's an extra highway okay. that I saw so going to work and coming back from work is hell because right. of 85. So I think I was telling you about, you telling about that. Yeah. 85. Yeah, yeah, so Misfits, um, Raven and I have a really special relationship that's grown <laughs> over the past couple of months, all because of a special app called Marco Polo. And y'all hear me talk about that on the show. <laughs> yes. I was a stranger to Marco Polo. I knew, I knew nothing about it. But what happened is that 
I felt like, or I think you may have told me that you were feeling kind of down or you were disconnected from social media at the time. Yeah, yep, there was something yep, going that's on. That's what it was. I was disconnected. And so I felt like I wanted to reach out to Raven, but I'm like, well, maybe I should send him some type of quirky video message just to yes. make him smile. <laughs> and so I ended up calling him, I think the next day mm-hmm. or whatever it was, and I mentioned it to you. But and, and then at that point, you said, well, you probably should have. And yeah. then you introduced me to Marco yes, Polo. Yes. And so this was like back in probably February, maybe. Yeah. And so we've been communicating literally every single day on Marco, on Marco Polo, Polo since that yeah. day. And it is a beautiful thing for me yes. because, number one, I hate text messages. <laughs> I hardly like to get on the phone. But having that person-to-person interaction where I can actually see, see you, yep. I can see you smiling at me, it's done so much for me. Yes. So I wanted to just pause and, and say that. So yes, we were talking about some of this over Marco Polo yeah. um, as well. So yeah, yeah I, wanted, I definitely wanted to mention that. It's major. Yeah. It's, and it's so crazy because we've known each other for years. Yeah. Uh, but Marco Polo just added a whole new level to our friendship. Right. Like, I be talking to you guys about Marco Polo. I think like the last three episodes I've mentioned it. Yeah. Y'all keep playing. <laughs> Marco Polo is the short shot. It for is. Real. It is. So you were talking about 85 and you were telling oh, me about Oh, yeah. So yeah. it's it's crazy making that drive to work. Like, ooh, excuse me. I had stayed in Norcross several times. And leaving Norcross, I pretty much go straight for 285 to 20. Okay. So that's easy in the morning. Okay. And it, actually going back home, it's still easy too. I would say probably the most traffic I run into is when I'm getting off my exit okay. in Norcross. That's probably the most traffic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, however, with uh, Duluth, it's a totally different beast because okay. 85 does not play with your life. And 85 will teach you patience. It'll force you. Yeah. <laughs> a few times I've been to Atlanta I rem- or driving in Atlanta, I definitely remember 85. Yeah. The first time I drove to Atlanta from Baltimore, I drove overnight. So I left like maybe 9 o'clock in, in the evening or 9 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And I may I may have gotten there after taking a couple rests. I may have gotten there like maybe 7 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And I hit so much traffic mm-hmm. on 85. Like it was a nightmare. So this was the end of my journey. Yes. And I ended my journey And that's in what traffic. happens. 85 will make you catch an attitude. For real. <laughs> it'll make you catch a whole attitude. Yes. And it just contributed to my anxiety in a way. Oh, my God. Like yeah. I've literally had to. I ran away from Atlanta. Wow. Mostly because in the well, in the last couple of days, yeah, 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 yeah. it was because of eighty five. Yeah, like eighty five yeah. just wore yeah. me out. That's what six ninety five here in uh, in Baltimore does to me. <laughs> six ninety five. <laughs> At one time, I was um I had my kids in a private school that was probably about seventeen miles away from my house. Yeah, and so I um I'm self employed, and you know you guys will hear more about that later on in the podcast, but. Um, I was responsible, of course, for taking my kids back and forth to school. Yeah. So I would have to get on 695 literally four times a day, taking them to school, coming back to the house afterwards, and then leaving back in the afternoon and bringing them back. So I was on 695 in traffic literally four times oh, a day. It was Lord. a nightmare. I can only imagine. <laughs> it Jesus. was a nightmare. Nightmare. Wow. You said four. Yeah. So traffic will do it to you. Yes, it will. Yes. It, it is. I always tell people, if you ever want to see a different side of me, watch me drive. <laughs> and I've been working on I it. I can attest to this. <laughs> Marco Polo. I Listen, can attest to right. this. Right. <laughs> he has been on Marco Polo with me when I've been driving a very different I side I remember of me. one time you, um, there was some, something that happened in the middle of, you know, your journey. I think it was, may have been getting home. Yeah. And you had complained about it and you just said, Jesus! <laughs> I cracked up so hard. Like Raven becomes a different person 
in the car. I can't. There is no space to hit any type of yoga pose or flow. And the raven in the car is completely different than what you guys see up on Stone Mountain. Trust me. Yes. <laughs> so the, the other thing I was going to talk about, we kind of uh, went into it, is uh-huh. that I'm here in Baltimore. Right. And I came because my mom's birthday is actually Mother's Day. Yeah. So I came up here to celebrate with her. However, it ended up going from a situation where I was coming up here to celebrate my mom's birthday to becoming a legit vacation. Okay. Like the closer and closer I got to actually leaving. And Daryl knows because I hit, I talked to him about everything. So he knows what it is that I've gone through as far as what this trip initially looked like to where it is now. Mm-hmm. And by the time I got to the point where I'm sitting right here, this is a vacation. This is a big, huge woosah mm-hmm. that was needed, you know? Um, and it's it's two it's two things. One, being on my own now in Duluth is a deep exhale that I really needed. Uh, I I loved my journey down in Riverdale. Mm-hmm. Definitely appreciated it, you know. And I've said on the podcast before, I'll forever be grateful to you know Kaya uh, giving me space to be able to live there and get on my feet with my job, my car, everything. Right. However, I've all I've also been very honest about the fact that I love my own space. Oh, yeah. Apps, there is nothing like it. Nothing. <laughs> and, nothing. And being able to come home specifically to just your energy. Yes. And being, or at the very least, having a space within your home where it's exactly. like, this is just me. Yes. That's yes. it. Because know? for me, um, I got my first apartment right out of high school. 18 years old. I had just graduated from high school. I knew that I wasn't going to college, so yeah. I started working. And I got my own apartment that same December. So I graduated in May, got my own apartment that December. So until the time that I got married, I had never had a roommate. Mm-hmm. I had always had my own apartment. So now being married and having two children, yeah. I have to carve out those spaces in my house right. where I can just like be <laughs> to myself, to my thoughts, listen to my music. Because, yeah, having my own personal time and space yeah. is very important to me. Yeah. Very important. Now, not to make, begin to make this a whole conversation, an episode about marriage, but was that a conversation that you had with her? Or was it like kind of understood between the two of you that you would need to have your own personal spaces? Or I think that it's a conversation that ended up coming up from okay. time to time. I don't think it's anything that I said up front that just to let you know, right. you know, that sort of thing. It wasn't that. <laughs> but, you know, being being married, it's a journey. Yeah. And you start to learn things about each other. Yeah. So oftentimes what can happen is that you may see a certain behavior mm-hmm. and you may assume that it's something that it isn't. Yeah. So if you see once if you see someone off to themselves or in, in a corner somewhere, right. you may think something's wrong. Right. So it's probably in those type of scenarios where she may have assumed that something was wrong. And I'm like, well, no, this is just yeah. me. I'm in my I'm in my just space chilling. right now. I'm right. just chilling, completely content. Nothing is going on. I just, you know, have to have my space. Yeah. So I don't think that it's anything that I prepared her for yeah but just through observation and possible assumption you know I've had to explain that yeah sometimes I just need to be to myself yeah yeah I uh, listen because I feel like with us talking about black men matter that's not going to come up during that conversation but I feel like I need to have you back on so that we can talk about relationships oh because coming from the perspective of you know cis hetero and cis homosexual I feel like there is because we talk about this all the time, Absolutely. you know, kind of giving each other insight, insight. into the way yeah. the other one lives. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be something cool for the misfits to Absolutely. be able to hear as well. Absolutely. I told you guys, this is all day. Like, we can just think, <laughs> we can think of ideas. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yep. <laughs> let's do this. Let's do that. Yeah. Um, so what's going on new in your world? Um, 
Well, a lot of things. So, Amen. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll just talk about the personal stuff before I get to the business stuff, and then we'll talk about some of the other business stuff probably way later. So mm -hmm. I just celebrated a birthday, um, April 20th, yes, turning yes. 36, um, and I decided to have a birthday dinner. Now, I've never been a big birthday person. Mm -hmm. I could probably count as an adult. I could probably count on one hand the number of actual get-togethers, like celebrations really? that I've had for my birthday. Yeah, I've just never been into it. Any particular reason, or I can't say. I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever dissected it. Okay. I don't, I don't know, but I've just never been too big on it. So I think part of it comes back to spending so much time to myself. Yeah. You know? So as an adult, you know, my first you know entrance into adulthood was living on my own. Yeah. So it just became a thing where I may have a quiet dinner with someone that I'm close to. Right. You right. know, something like that. We may just go out if I'm dating someone at the time before I got married. Okay, let's just go out, you yeah. know, have a nice dinner or something like that for my birthday. But I've just never been too big on it. Um, so I decided that I wanted to have a get together with my closest friends. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. you were, of course, down in Georgia, so right. you couldn't make it. But I had been through a lot, or I have been through a lot um, over the past 18 months to two years, losing family members, going through different personal struggles. And I felt, I, I feel like I'm in such a great place now. Yeah. And a lot of the reason that I'm in a great place is because of the people close to me that showed up for me mm -hmm. in major talk ways throughout that. that time period. So for instance, and we'll talk about more of this later, but I, um, I lost my father back in 2017. And I've been a person that would show up for other people yeah. in their times of need. But this was a time that I didn't know what I needed. And I had people show up for me in very um, intentional and also patient ways where they understood that I didn't know. Yeah. You know, because for the first 24 hours, I didn't answer my phone. Yeah. You know, at all. You know, I, people were sending me text messages. People were calling me out of the goodness of their heart. I didn't want to talk to anybody because I didn't understand how I felt. So yeah. I didn't want to be in a position to have to try to explain something to someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know how I'm feeling. But one of the things that stuck out to me the most was one of my good friends, Tyrone. He tried to reach out to me, tried to send me a text message. I didn't answer his call. I didn't return his text message. He showed up on my door. Come Next on. thing you know, I had a knock on my door. I opened up the door and it's Tyrone. Yeah. He's never done that before. But he said, man, I couldn't get in contact with you. I just need to see that you're okay. Right. He came in the house. I sat with him. I broke down crying because it's still fresh. My yeah, father yeah, passed yeah. away around like sometime after midnight you know the night before yeah and you know he showed up the very next morning mm -hmm. so it was still very very raw yeah and so i just you know broke down and so things like that people showed up for me in such amazing ways that almost brings me to tears right now um and i just wanted to be there to celebrate with those people yeah you know and so we had a nice quiet chill dinner with myself a couple of close friends their children we all bonded. I yeah. talked about how much they matter to me because one of the things I've learned about family, and I won't go too far into it, but one of the things that I've learned about family is that you choose your family. Mm -hmm. You know, your your mm -hmm. relatives are who you're related to. Yes. But oftentimes people have relatives that if they weren't blood, those relatives wouldn't have chosen them. Huh. You know, and you mo you wouldn't Speak. have chosen those relatives. Facts. So I have people <laughs> that are not related to me by blood but are far closer to me than people that I even grew up with yes. in my family. Yes, I you agree. Know, and that's the real truth. So, you know, I wanted to express to them just how much they meant to me and how I not only see them as friends, but I see them as family. family. And so it was a Absolutely. very special dinner for that reason. So that was great. I really enjoyed that. Like like I said, very chill, enjoyable. That was amazing. Yeah. Um, my mother's birthday is right after mine. So mm -hmm. my birthday is April 20th. 
and my mother's birthday is May 1st. All these, all this so, Taurus energy. Yeah, all this, all this Taurus <laughs> energy. And I'll tell you what, I'll never forget when I was working in corporate America, I was so busy, busy, busy. My birthday had passed and it felt like I snapped my fingers. I looked up and it was May 2nd mm. and I had, I had forgotten my mother's birthday. Wow. That was one of my lowest moments yeah, yeah, in yeah. my life yeah, yeah, because yeah. when I finally called her, cause I didn't talk to her at all on yeah. her birthday and I called her the next day and I said, Mom, I'm so sorry. And I could feel the hurt in her voice that I had forgotten her birthday. Yeah. So I say all that to say, as soon as my birthday hits, I'm automatically thinking about right. my mother's birthday <laughs> yeah. now because I will <laughs> never let that happen again. So my mother's birthday was May 1st. And we ended up going to a new jazz club in Baltimore called Keystone Corner. Yeah. And we were able to see um, the legendary Ron Carter, a legendary bassist who's played with everyone from Miles Davis on up or on down. Um, we got to see his trio play. Yeah. And my mother, it was a surprise for her. She knew she was going out, didn't mm -hmm. know where she was going. She was down for the surprise. She just didn't want a surprise party. Right. <laughs> and so um, it was myself, my mother, and um, and the kids. And, you know, my wife wasn't around because she, she wasn't feeling well. Yeah. Um, so we had a great, great time, you know, and my mother was really pleased. And, you know, she enjoyed the music, enjoyed the company. We made some new friends and talked to people. It was great. Yeah. So I say all that to say, you know, the past few weeks have been times of celebration and acknowledgement yeah. because May is a special month because you have my mother's birthday you have Mother's Day mm -hmm. Desiree's birthday is May 25th Gemini oh wow and um, our wedding anniversary is May 26th wow yeah so okay. all of that occurs <laughs> in the month of May, May. <laughs> and my birthday is on the tail end of April so that yeah. whole time period from April through the end of May is like family yeah, time big. yeah and all yeah. that stuff so so yeah good stuff so that's what's going on personally um, professionally, I am working on a couple of special projects. So as a photographer, um, I felt like I had reached, I don't want to say a ceiling, mm -hmm. but somewhat of a point where I want to do more work that matters yeah. and tell stories. And I look at the work that I do in terms of photography as being, photography is a medium. You know, it's a way, it's a form of expression and art. And, you know, it's a mechanism to, you know, to create art and tell stories and all that stuff. Um, but what I found is that there's other stories that I want to tell mm -hmm. that I'm not able to tell through photography. Yeah. So that's why I've moved more into, you know, video content, filmmaking. And so I have a couple of projects that I'm working on right now that I'm really excited about. Um, one of which is some content around black fatherhood. Yeah. So I have a documentary that I'm working on that we can talk about. But in addition to that, leading up to the documentary, I'm going to be putting out some um, original content, you know, to social media, to YouTube and all that related to black men, fatherhood, telling stories. And so I got with a group of guys, five guys um, this past Saturday, and I put them on camera, put a microphone in front of them, and they told me their stories, their fatherhood stories. And yeah. it was by far probably, if not the most powerful one of the most powerful things I've ever done as a professional creative. Mm -hmm. These guys, they all knew each other. So it's a collective of guys that know each other from church and other ways. Um, but they are all married. Yeah. They're all fathers. They do couples trips. They bond with each other. They have an ongoing group chat where they talk about stuff. And mm -hmm. I was talking to one of the guys recently. He said they have one group chat. They'll keep it going. They, then they destroy that group chat <laughs> and create another one. <laughs> Got to destroy the evidence because there'll be stuff going on in that group chat. You know, so these guys are very much connected, but they all have different stories yeah. as fathers and as husbands and as sons, yeah. you know. And so we had one elder, which was the father of one of the guys, and then the four guys. And one at a time, I had them in front of me, 
and they just told me about their journey in a brief way, but told me about their journey in fatherhood and some of the things that these men shared. Yeah. They were so honest. Yeah. And what I found... I, which, I, which says a lot, not to cut you off, but which, mm-hmm. when you were telling me about that, yeah. like I told you, says a lot. Yeah. Because a lot of men don't always feel like they have safe spaces to yes. be able to be that vulnerable. Yes. And what I found, because I do a lot of interviews, I conduct a lot of interviews because I do corporate content and I'm always talking to people, I'm always interviewing. But when it comes to the more personal stuff, what I found even more so recently is that there are often people who have things that they want to say, mm-hmm. things that they want to get off their chest, but they don't have, I'm um, putting air quotes up, they don't have a reason. Right. And they don't have a safe space to release this stuff. Yeah. So it's stuff that people are holding on to. For my documentary, I interviewed my brother, and he told me things that I never heard before. Yeah. And I live with this man. You yeah. know what I mean? And we grew up together close. We were only two years apart in age. Yeah. And there were things that he told me that I had no idea that he felt. Mm-hmm. You know, and so some of the things that were revealed just the vulnerabilities, the insecurities, the trauma. Yeah. There was trauma yeah. that was revealed. And it just blew my mind. I, I, I broke down crying at a certain point, you know, after it was all said and done. I almost cried on the Marco to you, but I let it go later. Right. Um, not that I'm ashamed of crying. I cry at the drop of a hat. <laughs> um, but, you know, but it was so powerful. So if anything... I am so excited about this work because I feel so connected to my purpose. Yeah. So that's what's going on with me. So personally, you know, the celebrations and birthdays and other holidays and things, celebrations coming up. But professionally, I'm so in line with my purpose right mm. now. And Come it's on. so rewarding. It is the best thing ever. When you, when you feel like you're in line with what God wants you to Come do. Come on. Come on. And what you're really here to do. Yes. And you feel like he brought you along in, in this in this journey to a point where you're now able to execute on these Absolutely. things. And really help and heal people. There's nothing like it. It's nothing like it. Nothing like it's it. It's nothing like it. So that's, so that's what's going on with me. Yeah. That's what's going on with There's me. nothing. And I love hearing other people say it. Yeah. You know? Because yeah. it's like I stand in a space where I literally, you know, like I've told you before, I've talked to you misfits about it but i definitely know i've said it to daryl there's nothing like watching your own evolution yes and being a witness to it because i always feel like if you're actually a witness to your evolution it makes it harder for you to fall back because mm-hmm. you you mm-hmm. actually watch the way that you mm-hmm. came about wow and to see where i am and the journey that i went through and moving to atlanta yeah and how i continued to be lifted up by my friends you know they kept me, they held me right. all the way to the job that I have, right. you know, and being able to literally work in my purpose, you yeah. know, it's like you, you have to hold, hold strong and do the work, right? Hold strong and do the work. Right. And you know, good and well, <laughs> misfits, if y'all don't know by the end of this episode, you'll know this brother holds strong and puts in the work. Yes. You can be sure he absolutely does. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, you want to go on to Culture of Pop? Let's do Culture of Pop. I've okay. been waiting for this. <laughs> I've been, because, Miss you got to know that I am someone that loves to, um, I love to discuss culture. You know, I love to discuss hot topics. I watch shows that discuss hot topics and listen to podcasts. And I always have an opinion yeah. on something. <laughs> so I've been waiting for the moment to be able to participate in the Culture of Pop. So here we go. I am that, excited. The funny thing is, is that before it got to the point where we became as close as we are now, one of the things would connect. Uh, one of the things that would connect us is that we often found ourselves agreeing a lot yes. on social media. Yes, <laughs> because we believe in balance. Yes, you know, we we live in an age where something comes out, something happens, and automatically people try to go to one side or the other. 
And it's rarely ever that simple. Yeah. There's usually areas of gray. Absolutely. balance. You know, there, it's rarely ever a case where just one person is just completely one thing yep. or something else. Yep. You know, and so it takes a level of empathy to be able to see the balance yes. and be able to, you know, um, be open to balance and, and, you know, to begin with. So that's what I've always appreciated about you is that you never have been one to just rush to one side or the other. Yeah. Whereas culture really tries to push you to do that. Yeah. You know, and that's what it, that's I think that's where we've always connected. I've, I, I actually feel that way in friendships, mm. like meaning circles, not yeah. just two people. Yeah. But if you have circles, I only accept one person being somebody who's going to say Raven's right mm. and everybody else is wrong. Right. I only accept one friend like that. Yeah. I'm like, OK, so that'll be who, who you are yeah, in my yeah, life. Yeah, 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 You'll yeah. be that person who'll be like, Daryl was wrong. I don't care what he <laughs> said. Just one. Yeah. Everybody else. I'm going to need for you to find some place of balance, balance because I can't have a bunch of yes men yeah, exactly. or, or women as exactly. friends. You yeah. know, that's that's not going to be... 100%. Mm-mm. Yeah. So I guess the first thing we can start with is the Met Gala. Met Gala. So yes. Met Gala 2019 took place this past Monday. It is the first uh, Monday in May every year. Mm-hmm. So this year's theme was Camp Notes on Fashion. And I was actually talking about this with, was it my coworker? I don't think it was my coworkers. My mother. I was uh-huh. talking about it with my mother when I arrived last night here in Baltimore. Okay. And she agreed with me because she watches uh, the Met every year as well, the, well, the gala. Okay. And it is the first year that I can say the majority of the outfits I loved. Okay. This was my favorite Met Gala. Now, before you go there, tell me about camp because I was not familiar. I didn't know anything about that. I kept hearing that word and I had no idea what, what camp people were talking. Is. Yeah, tell me what camp is. Well, the funny thing is, and with us being in Baltimore, that actually is perfect. When you think of John Waters, you know who John Waters is? I don't think so. John Waters created uh, Hairspray. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Created, okay. What was it? Crybaby okay. was Johnny Depp. Okay, I didn't know his yeah. name. Okay. So yeah. he is camp. For, to me, he's the king of camp. Okay. So when you look at a lot of drag queens, mm-hmm. camp, okay. you know, okay. it's kind of like doing doing it up to another level, taking yourself and raising it up like 10. Got it. You Got feel it. me? And by the way, so, if you see me looking at my phones, because I'm looking at the pictures from the Met Gala, just so I know what to I'm talk good. about. Okay. You can. <laughs> in my <laughs> mind, just whatever. Yeah, go ahead. As long as you can focus. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. Um, but yeah, so... I, I was looking at a lot of these outfits okay. and knowing what I know about camp, some of the people showed up and their whole thing was, I'm going after the theme. Got it. The theme is camp, so I'm going to do it to the best of my Got ability. Okay. Then there are others who came and it was like, no, you just wanted to look pretty. Yeah. And that's okay. fine. I get it. You know, yeah. but okay. if I'm coming once a year for something, mm-hmm. whatever the theme is, I want to go at it to the best of my ability. Got it. And everybody had their different opinions of outfits and things of that nature. But, and that's also another reason why I was glad you were pulling it up, because mm-hmm. I want to ask you if there are any outfits that you felt like you really liked. Um, okay. Yep. I know for me, a lot of the... Well, I'll let you go first. What are some of the outfits that you like so far that you've seen? Well, I guess just to um, to preface, I've never been someone that's been big into fashion, yeah. high fashion and extravagant fashion. But, you know, I know what I like and what I don't. Right. Um, so when it comes <laughs> to the Met Gala... Um, you know, it's never, it's never been something that I specifically paid attention to, mm-hmm. but again, culture, people talking about it, yeah. I found myself interested. The right. first one <laughs> that struck me was Miss Cardi B. Absolutely. Yeah. Cardi Absolutely. B, Cardi B is just a whole mood, a whole <laughs> moment. Like you, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to just not like Cardi B mm-hmm. and you can dislike her music. Yeah. You can dislike her language, the way that she talks, but you have to appreciate Number one, she's having a long moment. It seems she like is. now, I, and she I know a lot indeed. of pro- a lot of people probably didn't think that her moment was going to last this mm-hmm. long. 
but she is embracing her moment. And at the same time, she's always Cardi B. Yes. Always Cardi B. But when she does it up, like when I saw this outfit, I'm pulling it up now. It, yeah. she, she looks amazing. Yeah. She looks amazing. So. And I forgot how much they said it weighed, but it was heavy. Because it looks like a whole like rug. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it looks like it's like heavy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It looks like. Yeah. So yeah. I was just blown away by that. Blown. So as far as, you know, where it ranks on the scale of camp. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but just making a statement and yeah. looking amazing. That you is know, an Cardi B looks yes. amazing. That was the first one that struck me. Um, you want me to go on? Uh, you can name if you want to, like two or three more. I, okay, so the next one was Sierra. Mm-hmm. The hair. Listen, that Sierra's hair, hair ruled. Was 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 oh. was everything. I love the color. Yes. Um, I love the uh, the design, the fit of. I don't know. You call it a gown or a dress. You got to forgive me. I'm a, mm-hmm. sometimes I can be a typical guy, but she <laughs> she just looked amazing. So, like you said, you know, there are some people that you know were focused more on the theme. Yeah. And then you had others that still wanted to look just damn good. Yeah. <laughs> and Sierra yeah. was one that you know she hit the theme, she touched the theme, yeah. but. Baby girl just looked damn good. Right. <laughs> so, so I had to give it to um, to Sierra. I'm trying to think if there was another one that struck me right away. Um, well, this isn't going to be one of mine. I but okay, but I ahead. enjoyed it, and she did go of camp. So this okay. may be one of the ones that you really like, Janelle Monae. Do you remember her outfit? Janelle Monet was one of the ones that I wasn't into. Okay. Because okay. it was just too, Oh, like, I think you did say yeah, that. it was now, like... she was definitely camp. She was camp. Yeah. Yeah, but it was just, for me, in terms of just, you know, yeah. something that's pleasing to the eye, it was like too, like, Mad Hatter to me. I was just <laughs> like, you know. But I get it. You know, yes. she stuck, she, she stayed true to the theme. Yeah. And I appreciate that. But just as far as, you know, looks go, oh, I'm sorry, Billy Porter. That was the other mm. one. Billy Porter of was actually you. first. <laughs> I, I was waiting for you not to say it, so I can I'm say sorry. <laughs> Billy <laughs> Porter was first. Yes. Um, because number one, what what uh, red carpet was it where he really just all did of it? the ones in this last year? But it was one in particular that really like. I know what you're talking about. You talking about the one where he had the cape, the rainbow cape. Was it a rainbow cape? Or was no? It was the big like suit gown type of thing. Oh, the long train that he had. Yeah. Yes. And we kind of had that conversation yeah. about how I kind of felt away because it seemed like his moment was kind of dimmed a little bit yeah. by the guy that he was with. Yeah. Whereas now yes. he comes in all his glory being carried yes. by like six. Di- That's what yeah. I wanted for Billy Porter. Yeah. That's what I wanted for Billy Porter. Yeah. Have your moment to yourself. And when I saw him being carried by those guys, I'm like, there you go. Yeah. That's what I wanted for Billy. Yeah. And and then he got down with those Phoenix wings. Yes, the he, wings. Yeah. The wings. I was all for it. Yeah. I was all for it. So, so yeah, I didn't mean to steal your thunder no, there. No, no, no. But that was good. the obvious way. So, he was first. He was the first one I saw. And then it was Cardi B after that. And then yeah. it was Sierra after that. So, yeah. Billy Porter. God bless Billy Porter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah. So, yeah, he's definitely at the top of my list as well. I, I that was you talk about a mood in a moment. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm like, dude. Wow. For for the last year, he's just been like every carpet you have me on, I'm going to slay it. Yeah. 
100%. And I love it. And I was I was watching him at the mat, mm-hmm. and all I kept thinking to myself is, it's this video that's been circul- circulating for the last couple of years, where you see them talk about the age of different celebrities, right. pretty much letting you know, stop thinking that if you're 25 and you haven't done it yet, yeah, yeah, life's yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. And you know, several of the people, like, uh, oh my lord, her name just completely left. A fashion designer. Oh, her name just completely left. Uh, Asian sister. Vera Wang. Vera Wang, mm-hmm. thank you. <laughs> so completely went away. Yeah. She was, I think, 40, they said. I didn't know. When that. she designed her first dress. I didn't know that. And uh Morgan Freeman, Samuel L. Jackson, oh, yeah, all yeah, people yeah, were yeah, over they 40 late. when they yeah. first started. When, when they when they really popped. Right. They were, you know, doing like theater and stuff like that. Yeah. But when they really popped, they were up in theater. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like I'm looking at Billy Porter and I'm thinking to myself, I remember when I was a teen, mm-hmm. or at the very least in my early twenties, watching him in films where he wasn't it wasn't that big a deal. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, something that mainly the gays would know about and to watch him now at this later age in his life and to see the way he's soaring and I'm like this is what I'm talking about stick with it like stick with it and be like I love what I do and as long as I love what I do when it shows up it's going to show up Poe showed up for him Mm -hmm. and he is Mm -hmm. taking full advantage of it and I love it I love it so he's definitely one of the people another person who I actually have put ahead of him I may have to kind of take it back a little bit I just loved her outfit so much but at the end of the day I do realize that Billy kind of showed out completely and that's Zazzy Beats I don't know if you know who Zazzy is Uh, have you ever watched Atlanta Yes, she is um, Donald Glover's girlfriend. Okay, got it, yeah. got it, got it. Okay, although the yes, mother, I know, who, I, I, know I, yeah, I know who's that. Yeah, and she okay. was also Domino in Deadpool too. Okay, I don't know if you saw Deadpool no, too. No, no, yeah. you know I'm not into. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I like what I like. I'm, I'm pretty narrow in my movie selections, and I know that it drives Raven crazy. I'm sorry. I don't get into all the action and Marvel and all that stuff. I'm, I apologize. I'm one of the few. I'm, no. I'm, that, I'm that guy. Manny would appreciate you though. Okay, because you know I'm, Manny when he's been on here, he's yeah. like, no, I don't. Yeah, I'm I'm that guy who's you know who's who never knows what's going on with you know Avengers, Endgame, and Game of Thrones, and I'm that guy. All the games. Yeah, all the games. I'm I'm that guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, Zazzy, she showed up in uh, half tuxedo, half. Uh, bride's gown okay so it's like she had a veil that went over her face yeah oh my god just the it was so beautiful the way that it was set up and the funny thing is she had like groom in the front bride in the back however Uh michael yuri u-r-i-e michael yuri who used to be on ugly betty Uh he came with an entirely different feel on almost the exact same thing okay so he did a bride and a groom except it was split right down his face oh wow so he had a tuxedo on one side and um a bride's gown which i believe was pink or it was like a prom mm-hmm, gown mm-hmm. maybe that's what he was going for because it wasn't a bride's gown it was more like prom okay. like it was a tuxedo for the prom and then prom dress but my mother and it was so funny because she pointed out she was like wait a minute he made a mistake he didn't shave the side of his face where the dress is and mm. I said no mom he actually did the opposite mm. the side with the tuxedo was very glammed up okay however the side with the prom dress he had tattoos okay. he had um, a five o'clock shadow like I was like no he was going oh, for he, that that's, that's he was giving you was. exactly got it exactly got it. Got so it. I thought that was really awesome got it um who else did I love Sierra was 
amazing. But what I loved about her mm -hmm. was the video she filmed before. And she was kind of like that. in the 70s get up. And if no. you haven't seen it, you have to watch okay, it. She I had Afro that. puffs and she was with Big. Now, y'all have to forgive me, Misfits. I know you're going to get on me. But I'm somebody who's very anal about spelling. Uh -huh. So I think y'all call her Big Frida. Yeah. But her name like looks like Freedia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it bothers me yeah, every yeah, time. Because yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, is it people's accents? Are they just saying her name too fast? I don't know. Or is it just Frida? I think it's Frida. Okay. <laughs> because I, I don't I, because I know that she's from New Orleans. Yeah. So I but I don't know how people from New Orleans right. pronounce D I A. Right. So I, I can't I can't confirm or deny. Right. So I don't I don't know. <laughs> well they did a video which made history. It was the very first time uh -huh. that there was one ever twerking done yeah, yeah, yeah. on the steps of the Met Gala. <laughs> uh, but like okay. they were wearing it out. It was one of uh, Big Frida's beats. Uh -huh. And they were dancing and going up and down the steps and I lived. I was like, that's what I'm so talking I about. A lot. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I only saw before, like just pictures um, of different people. I didn't see like the whole experience. Well, no, you saw the actual experience itself. This okay. is beforehand. This is before. This okay. is before people okay. showed up because okay. she had on a totally different outfit. Got it. Okay. She had on. Got it was kind of like a black jumpsuit. Got it. Got it. But oh my god, that was so awesome. I was like, yes. Yeah. Of course, you know. Uh, I forgot the actual title that they gave them. I'm gonna say hosts, uh, even though that wasn't the actual title they gave them. Uh, Dude from, ooh, I've completely forgotten the band. It was a, a guy group that came out some years ago, White Guys. And oh, they uh, ended up becoming like real big. Panic at the Disco? Uh, no, 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 no. Uh -uh. Okay. They're from the UK. Oh, they're from the UK. And, um, yup. Guess you see, I wasn't into him. Zane was a part of the group. He was the finest one to me, so that's why I remembered him. Oh, okay. I think his name was Zane Malik. Uh, but he's the only one I remember. But one of the other members, he was one of the hosts. Okay. Lady Gaga was a host. Serena Williams was a host. Now, talk to and me about Lady Gaga. I'm not sure where you're going, but Lady Gaga, she switched her outfit like three four, or four times. Okay. And so that's the direction I was going okay. in. I wanted to, you know, give props to the other hosts, but say that she started it off. Um, she started the night off. And she had, so she started out in this huge, ginormous uh, pink ball gown. As Lady Gaga would. And, um, indeed. Yeah. But she stepped out of that into a really pretty, like, uh, I guess it would be like maybe a black cocktail dress. Mm -hmm. So she was in that, and she would kind of make her way up the steps, but then come back down again. You'd be like, what's about to happen yeah. now? So then she took that off. And no, I think the pink one, it was a pink cocktail dress under that. So I don't know what you would call the dress she had on before that. Mm -hmm. But she went from big pink to big kind of big black okay to slimmer pink okay and then she took that off and she just had on like undergarments and uh, lace okay wow and so that was and that was black so okay. she stopped with that but it was all well i mean i feel like the very last outfit was more camp than anything okay but uh but yeah like okay. she did it up as you knew she would if she was gonna be a host of course she was gonna give it to you of course uh i'd be remiss if i didn't mention katie perry Mm. And the fact that that was absolute camp yeah. with those I candles. Let me pull that up too. <laughs> Giving her best. Oh, yeah, the candles. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yes, yes. Giving her oh, best yes. Lumiere yeah, impression. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Yeah. And, uh, and even had the, had the chandelier in her head, too. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But there were, there were, there were a lot of people who were going to leave out because, like I said, unlike most years mm -hmm. where I feel like you only have a handful of people that really stand out, mm -hmm. this year stood out big time. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason why it did is that you noticed there were several people like rihanna beyonce who weren't, who weren't there. there right yeah. right so i'm like a lot of people who would kind of take away a lot of the spotlight because everybody would be on them weren't there so it freed up space for a lot of other people to really show up and show right. out well after coachella beyonce deserves a break for 
for life. <laughs> like, <laughs> she can skip everything for at least the next 10 to 15 years if she wanted but to. But see, here's the thing. She clearly agrees with you because Coachella was over a year ago. Uh-huh. And Homecoming just came out. It just came so out. So a year later, she was she, like, okay, I'm still not giving y'all nothing here. Yeah. And you're going to love it. Yeah. And you're going to deal. <laughs> and everybody was like, of course, of we course. will, Beyonce. <laughs> we so, will wait yeah. for you. We will listen. Yeah. And then she'll just show up randomly on December. Yep. Like, she'll be like, a random December 13th. Yes. Oh, well, actually, knowing her, it'll be December 4th. Uh, and she'll go. be like, hey, there you go. Here's yep. a new album. Here's a new album. Here's so a tour. Yeah. Because <laughs> yep. I felt like it. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And everybody will be like, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, okay. So, moving on to the next. Yes. Uh, what you want to talk about with Aisha? Oh, Miss Aisha Curry. Uh, <laughs> Aisha. <laughs> so Aisha Curry um, has been all over social media or dragged all over social media for right. a comment that she made um, in a very vulnerable place or from a very vulnerable place on Red Table Talk. Yeah. So um, the Cole Curry clan, you know, the wives of the Curry basketball players and Steph Curry's mother and everything like that, um, they were all on Red Table Talk talking about their experience as being part of, you know, this whole NBA wives type of, you know, ordeal. Yeah. And so Jada starts to talk about the whole groupie experience. Mm -hmm. And one of the comments that Aisha Curry made in a very honest way, was about her own insecurities as it pertains to the groupies that are after her husband. Yeah. And the thing that she mentioned was that, I don't want to butcher her comment, but her point was um, Steph gets bombarded by groupies and she feels that over the past 10 years, she hasn't received any male attention. Yeah. And that's a source of insecurity for her. Mm -hmm. So I'll start with how I feel about the reaction she's gotten. Yeah. Because she's been dragged all over social media Has. and made fun of made fun of and it's been it's actually been really ugly yeah. and really disgusting. Which is nothing new for the internet. And nothing new for the internet mm-hmm. because the internet is doing what the internet does, taking one small thing that a person says, mm-hmm. blowing it up and taking them straight to hell over it. Yes. And it 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 honestly disgusts me. Um and it's the type of thing that usually will make me just pull back from social media because it just goes too far, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a very disgusting thing. So the backstory, a part of the backstory of Ayesha Curry is that there's a certain segment of people that have a huge problem with Ayesha Curry because either she presents herself as or she is somehow viewed as this perfect woman with the perfect life. Right. So and she's light skinned on top of that Mm -hmm. and has a light skinned family and a whole like, you know, light skinned husband, whole light skinned family. Yeah. Everybody that was on Red Table Talk was light skinned. Right. You know, so there's that. You can't just you can't gloss over that. Um, So people have viewed her as this woman that has the perfect husband, perfect life. She's Susie Homemaker. She does the cooking and everything like that. And in the past, I think it was maybe Two or three years ago, whenever it was, she got dragged on social media because she made a comment about the way that women dress nowadays. And she made the comment that I would rather keep it for the the person that matters, right. which is her husband. Mm-hmm. And people felt like she was being judgy of other women. Yeah. So fast forward. And now she's saying that she actually would like or she feels insecure yeah. because she isn't getting that male attention. Right. So one could say that, well, if all that matters is your husband, yeah. 
which is what you've said very proudly in the past. Right. How are you now insecure because these other men out here aren't looking at you? Mm-hmm. So I, f- I have no problem with people challenging that. Yeah. I just have a problem in the way of, you know, with the way that it was done. Yes. You know, so there's a whole discussion that could be had about, you know, the influence of outside parties as it pertains to your marriage, because everybody wants to feel that they look good. Absolutely. Everybody wants to feel like they can turn heads. Yeah. But when it becomes a source of insecurity for you, where you're taking notice that other men outside of your husband aren't Aren't looking at you or noticing you as much, that can get a little uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, because... I always try to relate things as, as as to if the other, you know, if the opposite sex would have said something like that. Yeah. So, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. You have um, Angela Bassett. Yes. Amazing compliments all over the place coming from women and men. Right. She has she has male and female groupies. Does right. Her husband is Courtney B. Vance. Yeah. I don't think Courtney B. Vance has any groupies. Right. So if Courtney <laughs> B. Vance came out and said, "I feel insecure." Because my wife gets all this attention yeah. and I don't have any other women giving me attention. Everybody would look at Courtney and say, but you got Angela, Angela Bassett. Bassett. Right. What are you talking about? Yeah. So with that said, I'm not too upset that people are calling Aisha out for that yeah. because you have a great husband, you know, and you admitted that he doesn't give that attention that he gets any, any sort of play. Yeah. You know, he's not worried about those other women. Yeah. So he's a God-fearing man. He's taking care of his family. He's a basketball player. She didn't say that he doesn't give her attention. She right. doesn't say that. He didn't say that she doesn't make him. You know, I mean, he do, he doesn't make her feel special. Yeah. So you seem to be good. Now, that said, you still are entitled to your insecurities. Mm-hmm. I think the only mm-hmm. problem is she said it publicly. Yeah. It's okay to feel a certain way about yourself because... It's probably more that goes into it than just the fact that she's not turning heads. Right. She may feel insecure as it pertains to the women she sees going after her husband. It could be something, you know, have something to do with the fact that she's a mother and it's typical for women to start to question themselves. Your body has changed. Mm -hmm. All that is very valid. But in one statement that's made publicly, if you just simply say that, you know, I'm insecure because I haven't gotten any other male attention. It just doesn't, it won't end well. (laughs) And it won't end well if in the past you have criticized other women for what they do for the attention of other men. Yes. And that's what it kind of comes back to. Mm -hmm. So again, balance. I see both sides of it. Yeah. You know, I understand the criticism. I agree with some of the criticism. I don't like how the criticism has been Mm -hmm. delivered. And the the weight of the critic like they have taken her oh my gosh yeah <laughs> it's been bad yeah. so that's that's my perspective on it you know it's something that she and Steph need to talk about hopefully they are talking about yeah. it and working it out because as individuals we go through things but women specifically go through some real emotional stuff where they start to question themselves especially after they become mothers mm-hmm. and you know they can lose themselves and just being a wife and being a mother taking care of home so there's certain you know insecurities that she may have yeah. that are very very valid so i feel bad for her that she was honest about that yes and and this is the, this is the reason that people aren't vulnerable yeah it's the people why it's, it's the reason why people are afraid to be vulnerable in the public yeah because people will take your vulnerability and take you to hell over it yeah you know and use it against you and just pound on you and that that's what's really sad about it because other women probably have similar feelings they may not articulate it in mm-hmm. the same way but now 
they like, I ain't, you know, saying that. Look at what they did to her. Yeah. So that's that's the problem that I that I had with it. She had a moment of great transparency, mm-hmm. and people decided that they were going to vilify her for it. Yes. And I'm glad that you showed me the video because I had seen people's opinions all over social media and was like, okay, well, I want to be able to see it for myself so that I'm not just speaking out the side of my head, uh, side of my neck. Um, <laughs> but when I watched it, all I'm sitting there thinking to myself is. She just had a moment. Yes. Like any And it was literally would. just a moment. Yeah. It wasn't a whole d- conversation about it or anything. It was right. literally it just was a moment. It was that moment. It was a you moment. Know? And then afterwards, you know, some of the women who were there were like, oh, girl. Some of the people was like, okay, I get where you're coming from. Yeah. Like, but everybody's like, the thing is, is that, like, for me, I get it. Mm-hmm. I get where she's coming from. Mm-hmm. It's human, you know? And you just have to take a step back. Like you said, have a conversation with your husband. Right. Because it's like, it could also be jealousy. It's like, all right, he's getting this attention from women. I want this attention from men. Exactly. Uh, I know a lot of people who have been in relationships, gay, straight, you mm-hmm. know, have been like, I just want to feel loved. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. I just want to feel like somebody actually desires, desires me. me. I get that you're, you're my husband. Mm-hmm. I know you desire me. Mm-hmm. But if I walk out this house with these jeans on, am I going to get anybody whistling at mm-hmm. me? And sometimes people need that. Yeah. You know? And we don't get to say whether it's right or wrong. Right. We're not them. Right. That's them and their experience. Right. For her, she could be sitting back like, even though you don't, meaning Steph, mm-hmm. you don't, you know, fawn over these women like oh my god thank you so much for these compliments you want to come back to my room blah, yeah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, yeah. even though you don't pay them any attention and you don't care even though you know you have me you at least get that yeah you get that you so get your that. ego you get gets stroked on a regular basis yeah. you know however me i don't get any of that yeah i'm here with our kids and a lot know? of times you ain't here right yeah. I'm here with our kids while you out doing your thing yeah. and, you know, cooking, doing everything, being a businesswoman. Yeah. But yet I still don't feel like I'm desired by right. other people. Right. You know, right. and, pe- and it's, it's kind of unfortunate the way people are skewing this. Yes. And they're making it seem like why you're not happy at home. Right. She never she said never she said wasn't. That. She never said that. It's human. And I know a lot of people who are vilifying her yeah. feel the same way. That's what makes me mad. Right. Is that a lot of these judgy, wudgy ass people. I'm yeah. like, you feel the same way. But the bigger thing, I don't want to say the bigger thing. Thing, but I think that something else that's going on is that when you, like I said, look at someone that seems to have this perfect life, you like to see them suffer. Absolutely. Because you like Absolutely. to be able to pull them down and say, you ain't no better you than ain't the no rest better. of us. Yep. You got insecurities like the rest of yeah, us. So yeah, I'm not yeah. going to give you credit for admitting that. Yeah. I'm going to tear you down and make you feel even worse. Yeah. Because it always bothered me that people looked at you as being mm-hmm. perfect. So mm-hmm. I'm going to take you down too. The, and what I'm hoping for her... And it, it, there are a lot of celebrities who still do it anyway, but that she's doing a good job of just staying away from social media mm-hmm. because and there are levels to this because I can speak myself. I know that there are a lot of people who don't care for me. Mm-hmm. That is, I know, I know that very well mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm not a celebrity. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that just from one, you can study people. You can get an idea of that. Right. But also you can know that, there are people in this world that if they're told certain things about you by others, they're going to believe what's told to them. They're never going to come and seek information from you. Right. So if you're told that Raven is stuck up, that Raven's an asshole, if Raven's all these things, you're going to assume it. Right. You know, I've been called pretentious and everything else. Mm. And when you look online and you see me, you can create in your mind whatever you want. All yes. of those videos, yes. pictures. Yes. That fits what people are telling me about him, you know? So you look at Aisha and it's like, okay, she said this, she said that. I can take those maybe two or three things and create an entire person based off of that. Yes. 
That's all I need. Yes. You think you're better than me. You think you're perfect. And it's like, but when did this become about you? you right. Well, how are you personalizing a total right. stranger? Right. That's a problem. Yes. You know, because whatever it is, she gets up there and says, if it fits you, mm-hmm. then you have to make a decision for yourself. Am I bothered by a perfect stranger saying something that I know is true about who I am? Exactly. Or I'm going to keep, okay, that's great, Aisha. That's your opinion. Yeah. I got my life. I'm going to keep it pushing. Yeah. To feel these kind of strong feelings about a total stranger yeah. to the point where you want the worst for them. There you go. That's there you a go. problem. There you go. That's a, it says a lot about where you are in your health. Yeah. Emotionally, mentally. Yeah. You know, like what's going on? Yeah. The fact that you have the energy to to do that. Yeah. It says a lot. You yeah. know, it says a lot about where you are. Yeah. That you have the energy to try to contribute to someone else's suffering. So let's segue. Talk about a good ass segue. Mm-hmm. When you have that kind of energy is going on in your life where you want to bring that kind of whew, police brutality on black youth. Yes. Come on, Segway. Oh, my goodness. Um, okay. So I've been bothered um, and concerned over the past week. And it's not that when things come up, you don't know that they happen. But when when you see it in front of your face, yeah, yeah. It, it, it just makes it so real. And it has an impact on you. So there are three videos in particular that have been circulating over the past week depicting or displaying, um, capturing uh police officers assaulting black youth yeah brutally brutally assaulting Mm -hmm. black youth so the first one i saw it was one that unsurprisingly came out of florida and it was apparently some incident that was going on at in some location i don't know whether it was a mall shopping center whatever it was it was outside yeah and there were a lot of kids around and the police apparently were called. Mm-hmm. So they had apprehended one young boy in particular. These were all apparently teenagers. Yeah. One boy had been apprehended and it looked like he was going to be arrested. At the time that he was being handcuffed and, you know, everything else that comes along with that, it seemed that he had dropped his cell phone. Mm-hmm. So another boy came along and went to pick up the cell phone. Now... When police officers are conducting, you know, their business or doing what they do, they don't want anybody else to be close to them. Right. So as soon as the officer sees this boy go to pick up the phone, he automatically feels threatened by the boy. Again, these are teenagers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's a whole different discussion about black youth and how they are viewed as being more and older and more threatening than they actually are. But these are teenagers. So that said. They saw or he saw that the boy had come over to do something. I don't know if he knew that the boy was picking up the phone, but he knew that the boy was closer than he would like him to be. Right. So he turned to the boy and the boy kind of postured in a certain way to kind of like just stand there like, all right, you know, kind of what's up? Right. You know, and automatically in a matter of seconds, he pulled out pepper spray and pepper sprayed this boy brutally right directly in his face Mm -hmm. now i've been around pepper where pepper spray has been sprayed yeah and it's a terrible experience yeah yeah. imagine having this spray directly in your face like within a foot of your face i got to experience that you remember when the riots happened there you go we were down there on the front lines and Mm -hmm. that stuff is not no it's no joke (laughs) no it is no joke and mind you this is kind of at a distance where we were so i can only imagine it's right up on you right so he you know sprayed the pepper spray right directly in his face the boy kind of backed off and went over to the side so now they're going to apprehend this boy yeah 
And so they were able to get him down on the ground. I guess his arms may have been flailing a little bit. I'm, I'm not sure. I can't remember. I have to look at the video again. But his arms were in the process of being restrained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He decides to slam this boy's face into the ground. And when you see the after picture of this boy, he has blood all over his face. Mm -hmm. Why was that necessary? Yeah, yeah. Why was that necessary? Yeah. So then there's another video where there's another group of kids. At least one of them is white. Mm -hmm. At least one of them is black. I can't remember what the others may have been. Um, but it was clear in this video that the black kid was being treated a lot rougher than everyone else to the point where the white kids, or at least the white kid, tried to come, up, come to his aid and say, get off of him. You know, what are you doing? So yeah. kind of the headline there was at least this kid that might, might be his friend and is white is advocating for them because oftentimes you think you have friends and they may be right and they're very silent yeah, when yeah, you're yeah. experiencing or expressing some sort of pain. Yeah. So that boy was there for his friend. But again, the black kid being, he grabbed, specifically the police officer grabbed him by the back of his neck. Right. You know, which I don't know what police move they call that. Right. But, Come on. You know, but, <laughs> you know, obviously he was being treated a lot differently than the white kid. Yeah. So that's the second video. The third one. Um, which I posted to my uh, my Instagram today. Um, you know, whenever you listen to this, you can follow me at Detailer Images, D-T-A-Y-L-O-R-I-M-A-G-E-S on Instagram. Um, and it was a video of now a young girl, mm -hmm. another teenager. And this time her mother, it seemed like her mother was filming it. Yeah. So her mother was there too. So the teenager was being apprehended for something. Mm -hmm. The police officer was restraining her and decides to pick her up and slam her face first onto the ground it i showed this video to yeah, you earlier you show me. and it's enough to just make you just cry it's oh, enough to yeah. make you jump it get, yeah. makes you sick to your stomach and there were actually two separate videos because i think that somebody who, else was somebody filming. else was filming yeah. from the police car so i guess they had apprehended somebody else yeah. i don't know what happened but whatever happened that wasn't yeah Necessary. And it didn't look like she was even moving. Once she wasn't even her. hardly moving, yeah. you know. And so there were two different angles of this. And as soon as the mother sees her daughter being slammed like this, she starts she to go it. nuts, yeah. as any parent yeah. would. Absolutely. So we already know, you know, of stories of adults being brutalized, killed, you know, by the police. Now we're seeing strings of videos with our children. These are children being brutalized by the police. And so it just has me in just a different a different space in terms of ownership and vigilance as it pertains to our community, mm -hmm. our people, you know, wherever you live, wherever you are. Right. So for me personally, just the other day, I had gone to get some lunch close to where we are actually recording this right now. And I'm in my car driving away from getting my lunch. And I looked to my right and I saw a police officer. Um, I don't know what his rank was. He may have been a colonel or something like that. He didn't have like a regular police officer uniform on. He had like more gear on. I didn't tell you this part. He had like way more gear on. Right. So he looked like pretty intimidating. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what made me pause. I didn't mention that to you when I told you the story before. And so he had um, two te obviously teenagers in front of him. And it seemed like he was questioning them about something. Right. And they were by themselves. There was no other adult nearby other than this police mm -hmm. officer. So I was close enough to them and uh, to the point where I was able to stop, pull down my window mm -hmm. and call out to one of the boys. And what I said to him was, hey, y'all good? You OK? Right. And he kind of hesitated and he said, you know, he's questioning us about some 
burglary or something like that. And I'm like, you want me to stay? Mm -hmm. And he paused and he said, yeah. I backed my car back up, Yeah. pulled over to the side, threw the hazards on, hopped out my car and just stood there. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't tell you this part, but the uh, the police officer, he looked at me, he saw me approaching. Right. And so he starts to get a little like, well, what are you doing here? Right. And so he said, you know these guys? And I said, they're my brothers. Oh, wow. You didn't tell me I that. I didn't tell you that part. I said, they're my brothers. Yeah. And he said, well, what's their names? And I said, they're my brothers. Yeah. And he said, well, you just stay over there. Right. And I'm like, I'm right here. And so I stand there and the guy continues to ask them questions about what school they go to. Do you know the, um, what do they call them? The resource officer or whatever for that school, yeah. you know, um, because, you know, they will be able to identify you, so on and so forth. Just ask them a bunch of, you know, random questions, yeah. but not really getting to a point. Right. Right. So that made me uncomfortable, but he didn't ask him anything that was completely inappropriate. Yeah. He just asked things that just seemed really irrelevant and wasn't getting anywhere. Right. He was just questioning them and they're just standing there. Yeah. And so it seemed that he was calling the information back to wherever to try to run their names and everything like that, figure out who they are, because one of the boys had a school ID the other one didn't mm -hmm. I don't know if they gave him real names or what I don't know any of that stuff but the bottom line is I'm just standing there to make sure that nothing bad happened yeah absolutely and so when the guy saw me come over he I didn't tell you any of this he actually <laughs> called for backup so two other officers showed up oh no you didn't tell I didn't me tell this. you that so the other officers show up they get out the car and at a certain point I say are these kids being accused of something and the other officer said, you know, I guess because he was like the one that outranked everyone, they said, well, you're going to have to ask him. And so I tried to ask him questions, but he was ignoring me. He wouldn't say anything to me. Wow. So they continue to run whatever checks they were running, and it gets to a certain point, and he just lets them go. Yeah. And in my mind, if I wasn't there, it would have looked very different. It would have looked very yeah. different because I saw him keep looking at me. Mm -hmm. You know, he kept looking over at me like, and I'm just looking at him like, you know, right. you, you guys can't see me, but I'm just looking right. at him very plainly looking this guy dead in his eye the entire time that he's yeah. running these checks. And I think he got to a point where he said, you know what? It's not worth it. Yeah. You know, I told the kids, I said, yo, y'all get in the car. Mm -hmm. And I put him in my car and I just, you know, I said, where do y'all want to go? Because they had, obviously they were skipping school. Yeah. At a minimum, they were skipping school. Did they commit a crime? I don't know. Right. But if the, he had evidence that they committed a crime, they would have been in handcuffs, not standing in front yeah, of him. Yeah, yeah. So I ended up, you know, taking them where they wanted to go because it was already pretty late in the day, you know, and even if I dropped them off in front of the school, they wouldn't have walked into school. They would have just walked off. Right. So I just said, well, where do y'all want to go? I took them where they wanted to go. And then I said, hey, yo, you guys be safe. Just lay low, you know, take care of yourselves, you know. But I guess the point is... This whole thing just has me in even even more of a place of wanting to do certain levels of work yeah. and just understand. It just put me in a place where it's like we have to protect our children. Yes, we have to. You know, we have to take a strong we have to look at our communities, physically our communities, not just the black community in general, but our physical communities as being our communities. So when you see something going on. Mm -hmm. You have to be present, yes. especially for our children, because they're completely vulnerable. They don't know the law. Yeah. Most of them don't know their rights, which is why it's important what the work that Colin Kaepernick and his organization are doing. They don't know what to do in these situations. And the point is, they're more likely to react in a way that may be very innocent, mm -hmm. but could get them killed. Yes. And that's the point. And they may not know that. Yeah. Because it's easy for a kid that's, you know, hormones and everything else to get emotional yeah. or feel threatened by a police officer. And you make one wrong move, 
and you can get killed. Yeah. You know, so seeing that after seeing those videos, seeing these kids be, you know, pulled up by the police after seeing these videos, it had me in a different space than I would have been otherwise. Yeah. I can't say that I wouldn't have done that otherwise, but seeing those videos definitely made me act very aware. what I saw. Yes. Yeah. 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 That, uh, when you broke down each of these things to me, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, one, it's sad, of course, that we know this isn't anything new. Mm-hmm. But now we're getting to a point where, as you stated, you know, because of course we know when it comes to so many different youths that we've had stories about them losing their lives because of cops. But a lot of the stories that we hear, they aren't a lot of videos of it happening. You know, the actual situation itself being shown directly in front of us. But it, it makes you have to exist in a very interesting space because on one hand, you get angry and you feel like there could, you, there needs to be change. Mm-hmm. But in so many instances, when we've allowed the law to do what it needs to do and mm-hmm. these people have gone to court, mm-hmm. they've ended up getting always got free. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah. it's like the, the only thing we can do since we're in a situation where it looks clear that the law isn't going to show up the way that they need to, mm-hmm. that we educate our kids. Yes. So that exactly. they know their rights. Exactly. Because it's like, okay, if, if we... If we make sure we arm arm you with the proper knowledge yeah. of how you should operate and you go out here in these streets, you'll have a better chance of coming home. Right. Because as right. long as they know you're ignorant, they can take advantage of exactly. that. Exactly. But if you are aware, you'll know how to maneuver. Yeah. So you won't just feel like you can go out here, say or do anything, anything. and they can yeah. take that as an opportunity to end you. Right. You know? Right. And it's, it's sad. And it's so funny that this conversation is following up off of last week's episode. Mm-hmm. Well, two weeks ago mm-hmm. when we had... Uh, Daniel Edwards on here. Yes, yeah. And we were having a conversation about the black cops the black who are out cops, here yeah. attempting yeah, to yeah. make a difference. Yes. So I think if we could bring those two things together, one, for me, it's getting more people of color as officers in our neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. I believe very much in that. I know that's kind of controversial to people, but I know me myself, I feel like if there are more people who look like you who are looking out for your best interest in your neighborhoods, mm-hmm. that will make a huge difference. Yeah. You're coming into our community and you're already feeling threatened for whatever reasons mm-hmm. and feeling like you're going to be trigger happy. Yeah. You know, because you don't know us right. the way we know us. Right. But then on the flip side, for those who look like us, as Daniel had said, uh, what is it? Our skin folk on our kin folk. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. so then you have to watch out for that, that as well. Too. Yeah. So it comes all the way back around to education. Yes. Making sure you're properly educated and not allowing yourself to be triggered to the point of anger so quickly. Exactly. That's exactly. It, you know, and that's that's one of the things that, um, you know, being a father that gives me um, pause, you know, as it pertains to my own son, because he's very smart. Yeah. And he'll debate you. He's like me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He'll answer you, you know, any question. And, you know, he'll challenge you. But, you know, I have to make him aware. It's one, Intelligence is one thing. Maturity is something else. There we go. Maturity is about what's knowing what's appropriate for the situation that you're in. Yep. Intelligence is just what you know. Yeah. You know, so you can know everything that you want to know. You know, you know, you can know anything, but you have to have the maturity to know what's appropriate for the situation that you're in. And maybe it's not the time to say everything that you know. Yeah. You know, and so as he grows and gets older, that's what he's going to have to learn because I, that's that's. Part of the thing that gives me, you know, concern is that if he finds himself in a situation with a police officer and he's now arguing back and forth with a police officer, 
oftentimes that doesn't end well. Yeah. You know, so I have to educate him on that. You know, stand firm and know what your rights are, but then know when it's time to keep you cool. Yeah. You know, and that's really important. I think this is a great segue too, but we're going to allow ourselves to take a quick break because this leads us into the conversation of black men mattering. Yes. Is that a thing? Mattering? (laughs) It is. It is. Um, is. (laughs) And the fourth topic we were going to talk about for culture of pop, I'd like to actually put that into the conversation and begin that with black men matter. Okay. So misfits will be right back for the conversation. The Healing Space is a safe space for everyone in the Misfit universe, and I love hearing from all of you. So make sure that you're reaching out to me all over social media. If you're looking to connect to the podcast, that's THS Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, underscore THS Podcast on Twitter, and our official website, THSPodcast.com. If you're looking for me, that will be Scorpiogi all over social media. That's Scorpiogi. Please make sure that you guys are subscribing, you're sharing, you're retweeting, you're reposting. Make sure you're getting us out there. Like every episode. This way more people are able to find us and get their healing in. Lastly, for any questions or comments, you can email us at THS at Revolution Multimedia. Again, that's THS at RevolutionMultimedia.com. Okay, let's get back to healing. So this week we're talking about Black Men Matter. And one of the main things I want to immediately jump into is mental health. Yes. Because, ta-da, mental health podcast. Yeah. Um, and it is an important topic, especially when it comes to us as black men. Yes. Because if you want to talk about uh, a group of people who it seems like for the longest time, this is something we could not talk about. Yes. Now, the overall black community in general, but definitely when it comes to black men. Mm-hmm. Feelings? Yes. What? Yeah, right, <laughs> right, right. And the the inability to be able to show up as our true selves mm-hmm. does damage to our mental health. Yes. In a big way. Yes. You know, so uh, we were having a conversation about Common in his new book. Yes. And you brought something to my attention. Yeah, so um, so Common um, was recently on The Breakfast Club, and I haven't read his book yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember the name of it. It's something to do with love. Uh, maybe we could pull up the name of it. Mm-hmm. But um, Common is always talking about love, so there's always going to be love involved. Yes. <laughs> um, but one of the things that he um, revealed apparently in his book is that he was um, molested um, apparently by a guy, um, by a man, um, yeah early in his life, like maybe around, definitely before the age of 10, maybe somewhere between seven and nine. Let love has have the last word. Let love have the last word. So he was molested um, sometime before the age of 10. Mm-hmm. And it's something that he buried deep. And he said that, you know, he buried it so deep that he feels like he even forgot about it. And it wasn't, and that's real. And it wasn't until he was on a movie set working on a film where um, sexual assault or molestation is somewhere involved. And he was talking to one of the um, the actors in the uh, the film. Yeah. And, you know, he ended up bringing up bringing up the fact that it happened to him. Yeah. Um, and he also mentioned the fact that he had um, he mentioned it to or finally revealed that to his mother probably recently, maybe, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. definitely as an adult, well into his adult years. But I think it may have been recently that he revealed it to his mother and 
she had no idea. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I said to you was that I've had other friends of mine reveal to me recently or in recent years that they were they too were molested um, at an early age. Mm -hmm. And they also revealed it to their mothers later on in life as adults. And the response um, wasn't a good one. Yeah, yeah. And I think that and I think that that can be difficult. Number one, hearing something like that from someone that you love mm -hmm. is very difficult. Yes. You have to be mindful of your response because it's very hard for the person to admit that this place, happened to Absolutely. Them. But as mothers, I think that one of the struggles in revealing that to your mother is that mothers take their parenting, their motherhood very seriously. Mm -hmm. So anything that makes them feel insufficient or like a failure in any way is very difficult to process because mothers take pride in knowing their children, yes. taking care of their children, protecting their children. Yeah. So oftentimes when these things are revealed, when these secrets are revealed later on in life, it brings their own mothering, so to speak, into, into question, question. Yeah. which is very, very hard. Yeah. So this isn't something to just take on mothers, but just in general, these conversations are very, very difficult. Yeah. And especially for men, because it's difficult oftentimes to even see men or young boys as yeah. being victims. Yes. And many young boys yes. have the stories of having sex with adult women. Right. That's right. right. <laughs> and, and that's just it. Let's call it a thing. But we we create a, a community. We create a culture where we, you know, we're going to give you a high five. We're going to dap you. Yes. Oh, you a real man now. Yes. You know, oh, you did what? Yes. yes. We congratulate you for doing that. Yeah. So we socialize our boys and young men differently yeah. as it pertains to sex. Absolutely. And we look at them differently as it pertains to sex crimes. Mm -hmm. So once they get older and they realize that, you know, they were affected in a certain way because of or by their, um, you know, by their victimization, it's very, very difficult. Yes. It's a hard thing to admit because in certain ways it may feel make you feel like less of a man because this happened to you. Yeah. But then you have to process all of the things that came along with that and how that even affected your behavior yeah. and your life, you know, after that point. So it's very difficult, you know, so we need to have more spaces and a shift in culture yeah. to where men and young boys are able to express themselves yeah. and they're not told to just man up or they're not giving a high five for something that's inappropriate. Yeah. They're not congratulated for their aggression and their anger, yeah. but they're able to talk about the more sensitive things that are bothering them or the things that have happened to them. And well, two things. One, when it comes to sensitivity, I'm so glad you used that word because one of the things that I buck against a lot are these ideas and I, my coworkers will say this and I'm feeling it getting really close to me finally having to pull them up and make a statement about this. Okay. They're constantly attacking the word soft, mm. you know, and it's so old school. And I actually said, sometimes I, I do things like I'll say things. I won't attack the actual situation at work because I'm like, I don't want this to become an uncomfortable thing for you, but I kind of hint at it. Like one of the uh, girls who works there, she's younger and she has a very old school way of thinking. So I'll say that to her. I'll laugh and be like, you have such an old school way of thinking. So different from what a lot of millennials think. Uh, but I'm like, I'm preparing you. I'm peppering you with all these things because at some point I'm going to have to say to you, you need to stop saying things like you need to stop being so soft, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. because, and I mean, to, to her credit, she admitted about herself that, you know, she has certain things that she needs to work on because she has a very old school way of thinking. Right. But I'm like telling your 
telling the men in your life that they can't be soft is a problem. Big problem. Because what is it to celebrate about somebody being hard, yeah. about them being cold? Right. This is the exact same man who will end up backslapping you. Exactly. And you're sitting there like, why is it you can't be more soft? Because you didn't want him to be. Yeah. And his hardness, he has absolutely no idea where to take this anger. Yeah. Where am I supposed to take this frustration? Yeah. Up against your head. Yeah. You're, right. Yeah. No, not yeah. right at all. Yeah. However, no one has given him enough because I'm not putting this all on her or him according mm-hmm. to what relationship you're in. You, I'm not saying this is all you. Society has done exactly what it is you've done. Right. The only problem is you are now in his line of sight. Right. Society has told him that he doesn't have the space right. to be able to truly emote what it is that he's feeling. Right. And now here you come along telling him the exact same thing he's been told his entire life. Exactly. You're contributing to the same toxic masculinity that can kill you. There, listen. Listen. And then you're the one who's there. Yeah. You just so happen to be here in this moment. It could have been anybody. Yeah. But you're in this moment and you've been goading me mm-hmm. over and over again. And I already feel, I don't even know who half, half of who I am. Yeah. Because every time I'm getting ready to let him out, you tell me I'm wrong for doing exactly. so. You know? So I wanted to transition that into the second thing, mm-hmm. which is something you made a very good point about earlier, that you can be so traumatized that you've forgotten it even to place. That it even happened. So what I wanted to speak to is one of my yoga students. Okay. And this was mind blowing to me because I've done a lot of life coach work. Okay. And I've worked with a lot of people with a lot of different traumas. Mm-hmm. I have never seen this. I'm working with somebody and for months I could tell that there was something wrong because I'm like, when I go to do stretch therapy with you, you never get, and nothing that I do with them with the exception of yoga. Mm-hmm. So anything where I have to be hands on things change. If I just ask them to do poses, they can do them. Mm -hmm. They're all good. Mm -hmm. Even if I tell them you didn't do that right, they'll fix it and do it right. Mm -hmm. Anything where I have to be hands-on with them changes. They will not move their body. Their body will, and I I know it's not them. It's their subconscious. Mm -hmm. I'll begin to stretch them. Their body will fight back against Mm -hmm. me, quite literally fight back. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, so for months I'm saying, you know, something's up. Something's going on. Is there anything that's on your spirit? You know, take some time to think about it. And then this happened, Daryl. And this thing shook me. They said to me, because I was having a conversation, you know, and I finally got around to trauma, the word trauma. And they looked at me and they were like, I have never had a traumatic moment in my life. I don't have any trauma. I paused right there and I was, I'm concerned Mm -hmm. as shit. Like, no, we got to stop right now. I let you get away with a lot of other classes and we (laughs) moved on. I don't know a human being. Yeah. I don't know a human being who hasn't had a traumatic experience. At least one. You know, bullying is a real thing. Yeah. Let's talk about school. Yeah. You know, exactly. so just that exactly. alone. Yeah. And even the most popular kid in school still has some type of trauma. Right. So, you know, so I sit there and finally, after a while of being able to think about it, he was able to begin to talk a little something about a traumatic experience that he had. Right. And I told him, I said, let's be clear. Just and this is coming from an empath. You know, I'm just telling you. There's more. Mm-hmm. I don't know what more there, there is, is right. but there's more. Right. You know, I was very happy that he shared what it was that he shared with me. But I'm sitting there and I'm like, it goes beyond this. And because I know that you never knew you had trauma in the first place, it lets me know that you don't even know just how deep this hole goes. Right. So now the journey begins mm-hmm. because you just needed to have this unearthed. Yeah. And now that it's there, you can't put it back again. Right. Because I brought it back to the front of your mind. Right. So the thing is, is that if you want somebody who can be here to walk with you, that's good. Mm -hmm. I'm here. Mm -hmm. If you need more safe spaces, Mm -hmm. let's work on that. Right. And that's what we have to do for our brothers is to let them know safe spaces exist. Exist. Because you've lived your whole life not having any. 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 Yeah. 
Uh oh, segue. <laughs> <laughs> so I am, um, as you know, currently working on a documentary film. Yeah. Um, and so the uh, premise of the documentary is that my father passed away uh, two years ago in 2017 from cancer. Mm -hmm. My father and I had a very rough relationship because for my entire life he was addicted to crack. Yeah. Um, and he was abusive. He was neglectful. You know, all things that he would admit if he was still here. Mm -hmm. So I always had a, um, a level of um, a high level of resentment towards him because of those things. He right. was always around yeah, yeah. because he and my mother never separated. They never divorced. So it's not that he was never in my life. Mm -hmm. He was around and these things happened and we never resolved these things that yeah. happened. Yeah. So um, I had always wanted to have a conversation with him to understand more about him, to get those things out into the air. Because one of the things about our family is that these all these things happen and we never talked about them. Yeah. You know, these incidents of abuse, neglect, everything, you know, would happen. And then the very next day we would just go on like almost like it never happened. So um, all the, all this pain just covered the walls of the house you lived. Exactly. In. Yeah. Exactly. And I've always been the emotional one of um, my brother and I. Yeah. So I kind of stood out in that way where I'm like lashing out and stuff like that. And, you know, people will look at me like, oh, he's just a whatever kid. Right. And my brother is the good one because he's quiet. Yeah. He's the good one, good one because, because he's, he's quiet. quiet. So hiding, there's a reward yeah. in hiding mm -hmm. the pain, making it seem as if there's nothing wrong, nothing has happened. Yeah. There's a reward in that. But the one that speaks out is looked at just as being the angry mm -hmm. one, you know, or the mouthy one, you know. Yeah. So um, all that to say, he was diagnosed with cancer. It was a very aggressive cancer um, in the spring of 2017. Mm -hmm. And he had already known because we had a conversation some months before that where I told him that I wanted to have a conversation with him. And I told him I wanted to record it, too, yeah. because I was in a mode where I just wanted to document things. I want to talk to you. I want to understand more about you. Um, and so long story short, I came to him after receiving encouragement from a friend and my pastor. I came to him on Father's Day 2017 and we had our conversation. Yeah. And I recorded it with my cell phone. And in this conversation, he revealed to me some of his past traumas, mm. things, some certain things that I didn't know, other things that I didn't know the details of. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And so he took me back when we finally got really deep into the conversation. He took me back to about four things that happened to him before the age of 25 that affected him deeply. And one of the things that affected him um, was the fact that he went to prison at the age of 17 and spent five years in prison from 17 to 22 for a crime that he didn't commit. Wow. Um, he was no saint. He cre he committed a other crimes, yeah, but yeah, he yeah. went to prison for the one that he didn't, he didn't. do. Wow. Um, and, you know, being an impressionable teenager, he's a kid, yeah. you know, and you go to an adult prison and you have a whole yeah. new experience yeah. that stuck with him for the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. So that was part of the pain that he carried and never talked about. Yeah. You know, didn't talk to me about it. He may have talked to my, my mother about it every now and then. Right. But he never released that stuff. When I when I talked to him, he said, you know, I asked him, you ever think about prison? He said, oh, every day. Wow. He thought about prison. He thought about his trauma every, every day. day. My father passed away at 64. He got out of prison when he was 22. My God. So for over 40 years, every day, he was living with the trauma mm. that he mm -hmm. experienced in prison. And it wasn't until we had our conversation that he even talked about yeah. it. Yeah. You know? And for me, that conversation allowed me to finally look at him as a full human being. Absolutely. And not only that, 
I was able to identify with him emotionally because I realized that emotionally we're the same. Yeah. Because when he told me about certain things that happened and how he reacted to it, I said, I would have reacted the exact same way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's me. You know, because when we we got to the drug use, um, he said four words to me that I will never forget Mm -hmm. when I said, so how did that start? And so he started to talk about certain things that were going on at the time. And then he gets to a point where he said, I was just lonely. Wow. How often do you hear a man say, yeah, I'm lonely. Yeah. Do you know what can happen to you or what you can go out and do just based off of being lonely? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so it, 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 it just it blew my mind. It gave me chills because. In that moment, I finally understood him. Yeah. And I related to him and I connected to him. And in that moment, all the anger that I had towards him went away. Wait a minute. More importantly, more importantly, I don't know if you know what I'm about to say. Uh More importantly, you saw him. I saw him. Which means the I know it meant the world to him. Yes. Meant the world. I finally saw him. And and it was it was no secret because I came to him the next day, very next um, day, next afternoon, and I said, after that conversation that mm-hmm. we just had, we ain't got no more problems. Yeah. So he left yeah. this earth knowing that I forgave him yeah. and that I understood him mm-hmm. and that I saw, saw him. him. Yes. 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 So that's what this documentary is about, is me revisiting this conversation that we had, exploring the trauma that he went through with some of the people that were around at that time that yeah. are still around today. And also along the way, talking to friends and other people close to me about their relationships with their fathers and drawing parallels between their relationships and mine. Yeah. So in provide, I guess what I'm getting to is in providing these safe spaces, starting with my father, things are coming out that's providing some sense of healing. Because not only did I tell him what that meant to me, mm-hmm. he told me how much that conversation meant, meant to him. him. There we go. And what that did for there him. There we go. Just getting that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't want to give away any spoilers yet for a film that's not yet done. Right. But um, I also interviewed my mother so far, and I've interviewed my brother. Mm-hmm. And in that conversation, the conversation with both of them, those conversations, starting with my brother, We grew up in the same household. We had some of the same experiences, but we never talked about any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I found out things about how he felt that that I had no idea of and things that he didn't talk about. And my brother, like I said, is very quiet. He shut down at a certain point after some traumatic things happened, Mm -hmm. and he never talked about that stuff again. And after our interview, he reached out to me maybe a day or two later and said, Hey, I want to do another one because I feel like it's some more things that I didn't say. Wow. And this is the quiet one. Wow. This is the quiet one. Yeah, you yeah. You know, so when you when you provide these safe spaces, you'll be amazed at the uh, at the feelings, the feelings that are expressed and the things that men are keeping inside. Yeah. We are we are all very much human mm-hmm. and we have a lot of complexities and thoughts and feelings that we don't always talk about and i think that one of the um one of one of the uh misconceptions is that men are just so simple yes we're human beings yeah we're not simple we have a lot of complex thoughts and feelings and things that we haven't reconciled and experiences yes that we ha- we have not yet reconciled and understood mm-hmm. so we're written off as not having any 
feelings, right? Not having those types of thoughts, not having those types of experiences where we actually need to talk about it. Yeah. So to your point, you know, as far as your uh, your coworker, your colleague talking about soft and yeah. all that stuff, you know, that stuff is written off as being soft. Right. But there should be no negative connotation. The word soft, as it pertains to how you deal with people, mm-hmm. it's a real term. Yes. When I was in corporate America. They would talk about technical skills, skills, yeah. and they would talk about soft skills. Yes, and soft skills are how you deal with and interact with people. Right. So if someone is good at being soft, that's actually very powerful. Yeah, and it's a skill that is rated in a work environment. Yes, you know what I mean. So these are actual tools that you need. You need to know how to deal yes. with people. You Absolutely. know, and that that requires you to be empathetic. It requires you to be sensitive. There we go. Hello. So these things, <laughs> as far as being soft, are necessary. Yeah. So we have to take that stigma away from it. Yeah. We have to take that connotation away from we, it. We also have to begin to have the difficult conversations about people, you know, because there are a lot of people who we throw away like, quote unquote, fuck boys. Yes. And things like that. And I'm like, instead of us just saying that we won't deal with them, we can't stand them. Let's have a conversation about how they got to that point in the first place. Right. Let's begin to break down all of these stereotypes of what the worst type of black man is because right. i'm focusing specifically on black men you right, feel me right let's have conversations about all of these men and how were they created right instead of just being like here's every type of black man i can't stand mm-hmm. we're gonna do away with them it's exactly we're gonna cancel them listen and that's a whole nother <laughs> we don't have enough time listen don't do not but a lot of the people and here's here's the getcha gotcha a lot of the people who talk about how they don't have time for these kind of black men are the exact same black men who they're talking about. Mm. Listen. Mm. There you, mm. Listen. Yeah. <laughs> because it's like, have you turned the mirror on yourself? Yes. And the people that you're attacking? Let's have a conversation about the mental and emotional work that you still need to have done. Right. Because right. at the end of the day, a lot of people who we deal with in our lives, and if we're being honest at certain points ourselves, we are not always mentally and emotionally as mature as we need to be. Yes. And there are people who have gotten stuck in certain spaces and they've remained there. I've talked about this before, you know, and this is where you are, mm-hmm. where where you should be somebody who's like, you know, 20 or 30 years ahead. Right. You're still in 11th, 12th grade. Right. You know, right. and this is where you were left. Right. Whatever it was that happened to you. And I mind you, I'm being generous. There are some people who are mentally and emotionally are still in, you know, preschool. Right. Something right. happened to right. them. Right. Right there. And they stayed there. And they stayed there. That's a real thing. You know? And I'm like, I, I think about certain situations. When you mentioned that thing about loneliness, mm-hmm. that thing hit me deep. Mm-hmm. Because I know people who operate in day-to-day life in a space where I can't be by myself. Mm-hmm. If I'm yes. by myself. Yes. I don't know what's going to happen. I know people like that. Because if I got to get into me, you're asking me to sit with me. Yeah. That's dangerous. Yes. I don't know what to do with me. Yes. I know what to do with you. Yes. (laughs) I know what to do with you. I could easily pour all my pain into you right now. I know what to do with you. But when it comes to me, I have (sighs) no clue. Yes. I can give you all types of advice. Yes. Here's what you need to solve your life. Bam, 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 bam. And another person sitting there like, wow, you know everything yeah. person yeah walk away i feel healed and you sitting there and you're just a shell of who you're supposed to be yes because i can give you everything i'm supposed to have mm-hmm. but i don't realize that that's what's going on with me because yeah. i keep running away from me i escape me every day 
I wake up and that every so morning real. I run from me. That is so real. Listen. That is so real. And I have no reason. The thing is, is that when I come home, let's find some more ways to get away from myself. I don't even want to go to sleep with me. Oh. How can I numb myself so that when I wake up in the morning, I wow. start this whole journey all over again? Yes. What can I drink myself into, smoke myself yes. into, fuck myself into? Yes. Let's find all the ways that I can have nothing to do with, with me. With me. With me. Mm. And when I wake up in the morning, it's time to start my day over. Yeah. So I get to get away from myself again. Because again. work is going to get me out of there. Yeah. Hanging out with people going to get me out of there. Yes. I don't ever have to see me. Come on. I can live a life of being invisible to myself. Come on. Come on. Invisible to myself. Because the minute I see me, I got to battle everything I have been through. Mm. And I don't know if I'm strong enough for that. Yeah. I don't know if I have the power to deal with me. To deal with me. Oh, God. Mm. You just said something there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's real. That hit me so hard because I specific, it specifically brought a few people to mind that I know personally that struggle with that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wow. That hit home. That hit home for me. Whew, I know so exactly hard. what you mean. Wow. So I guess this is a good time to get ready to go into um, good news. Let's do good news. Because <laughs> this, this conversation. This conversation can keep going because I still have things I haven't even talked Listen, about. Listen, so. I told you I got to have you back on here. Yeah, we got to do it again. We got to do it again. All right, wow. so we'll be right back with good news, Misfits. <laughs> And now it is time for good news. Whew, that conversation was real. Yes. <laughs> conversation was really, really I'm real. I'm telling you, I, I'm enjoying this. So um, the first thing I wanted to say is you guys are listening to this two days after my mother's birthday. Mm. My mother's birthday was on Mother's Day. Happy birthday. So happy belated birthday, mom. And uh, also happy belated Mother's Day to all of the mothers out there. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So, what do you have as good news? My good news, um, and I can't remember how if I went into this earlier in the uh, episode, but we've we talked about a lot. But yeah, we talked about a lot, <laughs> so I can't remember what I said. But my good news goes back to me being in my purpose, mm-hmm. and so um, recently. I put together a production, which was my first actual production that was my brainchild, and I ran from top to bottom, beginning to end. Yeah. So essentially what it is, is that I'm putting together some video content. I think I did mention this. So I'm putting together some original video content relating to fatherhood. So I brought in a group of four guys and one of the guys' father. Yeah. Um, and I gave them a space to tell their respective stories about their fatherhood journeys Mm -hmm. and it was so powerful because they talked about how they weren't ready for fatherhood well some of them weren't ready maybe one or two weren't ready another person was really excited Mm -hmm. you know there was one person that wanted the child and the um the mother actually didn't initially Mm. so there's just certain things that were brought up yeah you know and you know certain things were revealed so all that to say these guys were so open so honest so vulnerable and it touched me so deeply because it just goes to show when you provide men with a safe space and allow them to speak yeah so many people will be helped and healed yeah um, there's a Facebook group called Black Fathers that was created by a friend of mine named Matt Pressberry. Shout, out to, Shout Matt. out to Matt. Yeah. And um, I joined this group recently 
And I see that there's so many guys that are reaching out for help with their fatherhood. Mm -hmm. How do I deal with my teenage son? How do I deal with my daughter? How do I connect with my child's mother and better our relationship? So there are so many men that want to hear these stories and want to connect with people that are going through the same experiences as them. Yeah. So to, for me to be in a position to give a platform to tell these stories, it meant everything to me. Yeah. So that's that's my good news, that I'm walking in my purpose. Come on. I'm working in my purpose. I'm serving in my purpose. Come on. And people will be healed. So I'm looking forward to releasing this content. So that's my good news. I just got up and walked out. <laughs> End of the show. End of the show, y'all. Whew, he know how I get about purpose. Like, Trying to make me shout. Okay. So my good news, other than what I just said as far as my mom, is also the Storytellers Book Club continuing to go strong. Yes. Like I told you guys two weeks ago, we are reading our book for the month, which is The Empath Experience, What to Do When You Feel Everything mm-hmm. by Sydney Campos. Listen, 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 listen. I'm not even halfway through the book yet. <laughs> I'm just be honest. Life has showed up. So, But what it is that I have read, and I'll, I'll be done by June. You can be sure I'll be done by June. I was reading it on a plane right up here too. Every page. Every page. I'm just like, do you know me? <laughs> do you, and you hear people say that, you yeah. know, and I'm like, do you know me? Like, this is insane how you're speaking to my spirit. It's real. Yeah. It's very real. You know, she talks about being, being clairsentient. Mm. She mentions Reiki. Like, I'm like, you're speaking my life. Like, yeah. this is so real to me, yeah. you know? And so I'm saying to people, even if you don't consider yourself to be an empath, I think that you should read Reiki. it because I think mm-hmm. there are things that would still connect to you. Yeah. Because even if you aren't like us, yeah. there are things that I believe you'll read and you'll be like, well, I can see that. Yeah. I can see me being that kind of person. Yeah. And it's healing. Right. And that's why I'm looking forward to talking about it here on the podcast because i think when we go into depth and actually speak about what the book is saying it's going to be like an aha for a lot of people because it has been a serious aha book to me so far so i definitely add this to my list of books that are like it's a must read that i may have to go back to more than once and like let me fill myself back up again Yeah. yeah 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 so that is that is some good news as well And so if you guys want to join the book club, you can go out and get the book. Like I said, it's The Empath Experience by Sydney Campos. And uh, join in with us in June when we start talking about it. Uh, Now, if people want to be able to walk with you on social media, wherever they find you. Yes. So I am on Instagram. I'm more probably more active on Instagram than any other any of the other social media platforms at this point. So my uh, my IG is D Taylor Images, D-T-A-Y-L-O-R-I-M-A-G-E-S. Please walk with me on Instagram, and I do also have a, I'm sorry, a Facebook page under Detailer Images. Not as active as, as I would like to be, but I <laughs> promise to you guys I will get better. But probably the best place at this point is IG, and that's at Detailer Images. And is there any more information you can give them as far as the documentary? Yes. Yeah, so the documentary is called My Father's Shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, I was blessed to receive an initial investment from a program that's called the Saul Zance Fund here in Baltimore. Um, I don't. I didn't even tell you the amount. They invested thirty thousand dollars into my film. Come on yeah. now. Yeah. You never told me that. Yeah. So um. So yeah. I've been able. I'm able to use that to get equipment and do yes. some other things. Um. So yes. Yeah, so I'm going to be working on that throughout 2019. I plan to release it in 2020. 
So throughout 2019, I'm going to be working on raising more funds um, so that I'll be able to pay people, pay myself to work on this film yeah. because this is the most important project that I've done to date. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, please look out for that. And I'm always um, reporting things on my social media about what I'm working on, who I'm interviewing and things like that. Yeah. So please, please, please follow me on this journey. And the film, again, is expected to be released sometime in 2020. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on here, bro. Thank you for having me. For I enjoyed this. We yes, got to do it man. again. Like I told, it I, I told him off, um, offline, I was like, you are a natural. <laughs> you are a natural. This is what I'm talking about with the co-host. Like, yes, <laughs> this is real. Like, for real. Like, I've been really, really blessed over the last several weeks to have some really good co-hosts on here. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for all of y'all. I'm grateful for all of y'all. And like I said, for this to be your first podcast ever, you knocked this out. Ah. And I told him, I was like, there's a possibility. I something. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I said, we, we might need to make Black Men Matter a, a series kind of like um, Black Credit Apologetic. I'm open. Because this, the conversations continue. Yeah. Continue. And I'm not going to lie to you. This felt good. It felt good? <laughs> yeah. This felt good. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, um, let's do this. Absolutely. Yeah, this felt good. All right, Misfits. So we're going to go. You know how this is. The, uh, the healing space is every other week now. So I'll see you guys in two weeks with more great healing. Until then, I love you all so much. Namaste. Namaste. Namaste.